Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. We have an awesome interview for you guys today, and it's a special interview because uh, the person I have coming on is in the United Kingdom, so our time differences are very different and extreme, so I really wanted to make an accommodation to bring him on. It is the United Kingdom singer-songwriter Kashi Keegan, and we're going to be promoting his album Looking In Today featuring the hit single This Is My Dream, and he's got so much great stuff going on. So we're going to take you on a journey uh, like no other with this interview, really getting into who Kashi is, how he got interested in music. Um, we're going to ask a lot of interesting questions. It's not going to be a, a typical kind of interview that just asks questions like, what are your influences, where are you from? So it's going to be great. He's going to be one of many great singers and songwriters that I've had the opportunity to interview. So please check out the podcast we have everyone from national bands to just Smile Empty Soul, Soil, I Empire, Otherwise. So, again, I have so many guests that I've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing. My show is really meant to support and promote people in the entertainment industry. can't believe I started it approximately two and a half years ago. And the reason I really started it was I wanted to combine my backgrounds to create a forum to support people. I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist. That's what my doctorate degree is in. And one of the things I really like doing is interviewing people and, and taking some of the skills that I have from that profession to use it in a professional way of interviewing entertainment people. I also write for some magazines. I have an album out of the solo artist, and then now I have the radio show. So I'm going to show you you're going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like, what it's like to be in their profession. A couple of things I just kindly request people keep in mind is, although I mentioned I'm a psychologist, my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes. We're not doing any formal therapy or treatment. Uh, we will joke around from time to time uh, because people do incorporate some psychology stuff since the entertainment industry can be uh, challenging, difficult, and uh, entertaining, no pun intended, so to speak. And also I ask that if people want to share any types of stories that might have an embarrassing, humiliating type of uh, connotation to it just to keep any identifying information anonymous because I do want people to feel real on my show and be like they can share whatever they'd like. So if you're tuning in, create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. You can also call in at 805 243 because I am a one-person show. I'm going to be focused on the interview with Kashi. So if you have questions, you can post them in the chat room. I will try to go there, but you can also feel free to call in. All right, so let's do an introduction for Kashi. As I mentioned, he's a United Kingdom singer-songwriter. He is self-taught, and he's been writing music since a very young age. Um, he mentions in his bio how he's found it to be therapeutic. It's a way for him to communicate. We're going to talk about that today. His passion and, personally, an amazing voice and a knack for writing hit songs is illustrated in his beautiful album, Looking In. Um, this guy definitely has a hard work ethic. He has been persistent motivated in an industry, as we know, that can be really challenging, and his efforts are truly paying off right now. His hit single, This Is My Dream, was featured in the 2012 London Olympics. It also recently became number one on the Hong Kong iTunes charts download, surpassing many national artists such as Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, and Katy Perry. So as I said, we're going to take you on a musical journey today. We're going to learn all about Kashi. Uh, for more information, he's going to plug all the sites, but you can also visit him at facebook.com forward slash Kashi Keegan. So let's bring him on. Hey, Kashi, how are you? Hi, Carrie. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. And personally, I have to say, I don't do Saturday shows, but I definitely feel more refreshed because I usually do shows after an eight-hour stint of working in corrections. So as you can imagine, it could be pretty crazy. So this is actually really right. nice and relaxing to wake up on Saturday and, and have you on. So thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Cool, cool. So why don't we start out? As I said, I really like to do a different type of interview. It's not just going to be throwing questions at you. Tell us a little bit about yourself as a kid growing up. I know that that played an influence in you becoming passionate about writing music. So, you know, give us some information about yourself. Did you grow up in the United Kingdom? Is this where you've always resided? And then we'll go from there. Great. 
Well, yes, I, I grew up in uh, United Kingdom in a town called Worthing, which is very much on the south coast, and I lived literally 30 seconds from the beach, um, which came to be a place that I would often go to to get some alone time um, and, you know, to collect my thoughts. And I, I was often inspired when I would go for walks along the beach when it came to, to writing and, and songwriting. And as a child, I wasn't particularly that confident. I was quite shy. Um, and so I favored, in terms of communicating, I favored writing because I found it to be a less direct means of communicating. You had time to kind of think about what you wanted to say and, you know, structure it well and everything. So I really got into writing poems at a young age. Um, and I yeah. used to do this often. Um, and then eventually uh, this kind of evolved into writing songs because music really came into my life in a big way, and I started taking piano lessons around the age of seven to kind of learn the, the basics, the rudiments. You know, I begged my mum to get me to go right. to, to piano lessons. <laughs> um, so I did that for a few years, uh, but I would and always find and that... Real, and real quick, I don't want to interrupt, but I definitely want to, because I think it's an interesting story that you have where you, you said that, you know, as a kid you tried to, so I'll just digress a little bit from here to there to pull to some information in that I think people will find really interesting about you. Tell us a little bit about, right, while you're getting into using, like you said, music as more of a form of communication because you weren't the type of person who was very assertive as a kid, what were some of the challenges that you encountered? Because you said, you know, you tried to become part of the crowd on the playground, but it just, for whatever reason, you had a hard time finding a common ground with kids. What was challenging or difficult? about that for you? Um, I just think, you know, a lot of performers, they have kind of a sensitivity, and I've always had, I think, an acute, I'm, I'm a highly sensitive person. I mean, there's no mm -hmm. doubt about that. Um, and so along with that, you, you become susceptible to every type of emotion. And I think um, I was very self-conscious growing up, which kind of stifled me in ways. Uh, you know, I wasn't very uh, confident in... Um, you know, speaking in front of audiences or even at school, you know, I was shy, I was quiet, and so I didn't really make friends that easily, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't into, you know, as a boy, I wasn't into sports particularly. I was more creative and into singing and dancing, so that doesn't really make you, like, the popular right. guy. <laughs> right, you know, sure. So, so I kind of ended up being a loner, um, and I, to this day, I still am, you know, but within that, it enabled me to really, I think, develop my own identity, my self-awareness, um, mm -hmm. definitely with regards to being like an artist and a singer and a songwriter. I had, you know, I didn't have any kind of external peer pressure or any kind of outside influences to get distracted by, so I was really able to kind of concentrate on what I was feeling and expressing that and so I, I guess that evolved into the you know the songs that I've been writing over the years but I think having that kind of lonely lifestyle in a way really added to my creative journey because it gave me the space and the freedom to kind of embrace it if, if that if that's mm -hmm. making sense yeah no definitely it sounds like you were a person who I'm not saying, so to speak, enjoyed being alone, but it doesn't sound like you were someone who was getting, you know, depressed or distressed over the fact that you were by yourself. It sounds like that was something that you enjoyed doing so that you could continue, like you said, creating your craft and, and building who you've become today. Yeah. Um, where some people, you know, yeah. might the opposite might happen. They might, you know, become lonely and they want friends, but for you it just it was a good fit. So great. That's great. Um did your parents inspire you growing up? Was there anyone else, you know, in your family or, or someone along the way as a kid that, you know, also inspired you to get into music? And then we'll start to, like you said, get into talking more about the piano lessons and um, all the other stuff that started to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I have no real performers in my family aside from my hmm. granddad. Uh, okay. He he was very much into acting, and in the UK we have uh, a show at Christmas. It's called a pantomime, and he used to do local pantomimes, and he was kind of quite a respected actor doing that type of thing. Um, so I think 
perhaps in our genes on my mother's side there is a kind of performance gene or something but mm-hmm. he 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 loved everything to do with the theater and and singing and you know so i guess i probably do if, if i do get it from any kind of family member it probably comes through him um right so i would but aside from that it was really something that i kind of latched onto very early because as I said, uh, I think it was my way of, of getting some kind of recognition and some kind of attention growing up, to be honest right. with you, um, because the other more traditional ways, like getting into sports as a boy, into football and that type of thing, that didn't happen for me because I wasn't interested in it. So I had to find alternative means, and I think through writing, um, initially as a, as, as a young journalist, and I, did, I was very successful at that at a young age, and that got me um, some kind of, you know, a- attention and a recognition. So I wasn't kind of invisible at school. Um, you know, I was yeah, known for my writing bit, and things. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. That was really fascinating to read about you, was that you were, yes, very good at writing. And, and how did you creatively – tell us a little bit about what you did to get in contact with, and I'm not sure what the magazine was. You can kind of plug the name of the magazine if you recall it. You, you interviewed some major people, Steven Spielberg, and you mentioned other types of, you know, pop artists. So tell us about mm-hmm. what did you do to try to get yourself involved in this so that you actually were able to accomplish it and, and meet some amazing people? Yeah. When it all started, there was a show in England called The Gladiators, and I was kind of, this is around the age I was nine or ten, and it was mm-hmm. a larger-than-life program, and, and basically I became fairly obsessed with one of the characters in the gladiators called jet and i had a crush on her and i was obsessed so i wanted to meet her and so basically there was a like a national newspaper that was printed in schools um called youth express and it was it was written by um young journalists you know people who were school students themselves so i got in contact with the editor and i arranged to do an interview with the gladiators jet um and that's basically how it all started because it got me into you know finding out contact details for different editors and features editors and then eventually going on to sending them ideas um mainly young people's magazines and newspapers and i would offer to write from a young person's perspective and quite often they were keen for someone to do that because most of these magazines were run by adults and things so right um I got a lot of work through doing that, and I kind of had the monopoly because there weren't many other young people my age at the time doing that type of thing. I would come home from school, I would get on the phone, I would find out the different editors and their telephone numbers, I'd phone them up, I would, you know, fax them ideas for different articles and things, and I used to, that's what I used to do every day after school. Um, And I was very, very tenacious and driven and as you as you briefly mentioned, um, one of the highlights was getting to interview uh, the film director Steven Spielberg because I did some TV presenting for a children's news program here called News Round. Um, and one of the assignments I was given was to go to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, for the opening of um, Islands of Adventure. Wow. And Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg was the creative director. Jurassic Park Island and he was there at the press junket and so all these journalists from around the world were invited there (laughs) and I got to interview him it was only like a five-minute thing as we were walking around the theme park Mm -hmm. and I was 15 at the time 15 (laughs) so how do you tell us a little bit about that experience interviewing him was he everything you thought he would be was there anything that caught you off guard I mean you're 15 years old, and it must have been just such a surreal experience to feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm interviewing, like, one of the greatest, you know, filmmakers ever. So what was that like? Yeah. What was he like? At 15, I was kind of blissfully unaware of his track record and all the amazing work that he'd done, and I think that kind of helped. Otherwise, I probably would have been, you know, insanely nervous. But um, it was surreal. I kind of did have some idea that he was a big deal because, you know, the people around him, his entourage, that type of thing. And my producer mm-hmm. was, you know, constantly badgering me, you know, get in there, get this interview. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't really have 
time to stop and be nervous. There was a lot of adrenaline, and I remember, uh, you know, talking to him and asking him about the theme park. It was all a bit of a, a blur, to be honest. Sure. But, uh, it, you know, it was now, looking back, when I kind of fully realize who he is and, and the work that he's done, it's such a, it was such an amazing opportunity and one that I'll be forever grateful for. That's awesome. Really cool. So let's pull in now again. You're, you're starting to play piano, like you said, between, like, you know, early ages, 7 to 10-ish. And did you also use the magazine as kind of a way to get your music out there or to let people know that you were a singer-songwriter? Because I thought, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that I saw that maybe creatively you were using that also kind of as an avenue to kind of get your stuff to the next level and, and people to know who you are. So tell us a little bit about, you know, incorporate your playing piano and, and getting involved in that stuff and if there was any relationship with the magazine stuff you were doing. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest, it reached a point with my writing and the journalist, journalistic stuff that um, I, I, I kind of got more into music Mm-hmm. And the, the the kind of journalism fell on the on the back burner for a while, um, and music became my main focus. I then, you know, I'd been writing all these poems, as I mentioned, and out of frustration of not knowing any other musicians, um, I went back to my piano and I started to figure out different chord progressions and things, and then would you know pair the, the poems that I'd been writing with the with the music and gradually build them into songs. And I just kind of kept working at my craft, as it were, and, and, and developing these songs. And then, you know, eventually I went to record them as demos at a local recording studio. And, and then just did that solidly for about 10 years. Um, wow. You know, and I, I, did every, I worked every kind of job that you can imagine to afford <laughs> studio time. And what I types would of go, things were you? What types of things were you doing? Pull all that <laughs> stuff in, because that's always interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I did. I, I did cleaning. I cleaned nursing homes. Um, I did office clerical jobs like data entry. I did tele sales. Um, uh, there's so many different things that I did. Wow. I was basically an, uh, a temp. You know, I did temporary jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, just to afford the money to go and record. And so, like, three times, three nights a week, I would go to a local recording studio with the money that I'd saved up, and I would have, like, a session of four hours, and I would, you know, try and record a song in that time. um, But over the the years, I spent so much money and, and so much time invested into recording these demos. Um, so it's been a huge part of my life, um, that, that whole process. Sure. And were you, I'm assuming because you're still pretty young at this time, you were living at home with your parents. Do you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I, I was living with my parents just until very recent, recently, actually, only until um, June of this year. But I, okay. have, um, I have a brother who lives in Thailand now, <laughs> uh, oh, wow. and he's two years older than me. Yes, uh, he set up a life for himself out there, and he loves he loves Thailand and the culture. Um, and then I have a half brother and sister who live in England, um, and one lives in London, and and one lives in the southeast. Um, but we've all kind of we're close, but we all kind of do our own different mm-hmm. things, which is good. That's good. And I'm, I'm assuming your parents have always been like pretty supportive of you. Your family is in support of as you're, you know, working so hard and diligently to pursue this uh, music career, right? Yeah, I mean, they were never pushy parents. I mean, I think my mum was kind of against anything show business because of the relationship that she had with my my granddad, and he was an actor, and I think, you know, he used to get very frustrated, and so she kind of saw the dark side of being a performer, and she was mm-hmm. very keen to kind of protect me from how cutthroat and challenging and, you know, difficult it, it can be. Um, but I had such a kind of formidable drive that nothing was going to stop me, really. I, mm-hmm. 
you know, and it all came from me. My parents were supportive, but they definitely never pushed me. Um, in fact, they probably would have encouraged me to take a different route. But um, needless to say, it was my passion and there was no escaping it as far as I was concerned. That's great. Was there any moment when, and then we're going to get into talking about the, you know, your music and stuff so we can check out the two songs. I want to definitely fit those in today. Was there any moment when you were, you know, again, working so hard, doing all these different jobs to make the money to get the studio time, that you, you thought to yourself, maybe I should, you know, pursue, like you said, your parents maybe pursue a different avenue, a different career. Um, if you didn't do mm. music, what would you might have, what would you have potentially done? Was there anything mm. like that that made you, you know, at some point yeah. say, uh, oh, you know, go ahead. Well, journalism was always kind of meant to be the plan B. Okay. But what kind of annoys me when it comes to performers, like if you say to your parents, I want to be an actor or a singer or a dancer, or just generally in society, if you want to be a performer, it's always kind of people saying, well, make sure you have a backup plan. Make sure you have a plan B. But say if you want to be a doctor or an architect or a lawyer, you know, you can't have a, a plan B because it detracts too much from plan A. Right. And I think equally as a, as a performer, it's so competitive that if you want to make it as a performer, you can't have a plan B. You have, it has right. to be all-consuming. It really does. <laughs> um, yeah. So I used, to ha I used to have kind of arguments with my parents to that, in, in that respect. Um, but, yes, I was knocking on doors in the industry for years and not really getting anywhere. I had some, I had some interest from some managers and things and record labels, but nothing really materialized. And around mm -hmm. the time that I wrote the song, This Is My Dream, Mm -hmm. People were beginning to tell me, you know, I think you should pursue something else. Um, and I didn't want to hear that. I really didn't want to hear that at the time. And so I kind of wrote that song, um, you know, to try and motivate myself to stay, to stay on track with my passion and my dream and to not allow other people to uh, steer me off track and to discourage me too much. And so it was really me fighting back. And that song is about fighting to keep a dream alive against all the odds and it was such a raw honest expression of what I was feeling at the time and I you know I in terms of that song I've lived every lyric inside and out and um it really is I think of all my songs uh, very representative of my own journey and, and you know my own story with regards to pursuing this dream for having a you know a career in music I think that's yeah. I think I think it's a perfect transition to check out that song too. And I just wanted to say it's interesting that you say people at that time, when you wrote that song, were kind of saying, "Hey, maybe you should, you know, kind of take a different path." And because it's such, I mean, it's just such an amazing track. I would think that song in and of itself would make people think, "Oh my gosh, like this is such an amazing ballad." And I mean, just the, the lyrics, everything about it is like, you know, top notch for something you would hear on the radio. So that's kind of interesting. It's an interesting dichotomy that people were, you know, and look at where it is now. And when we mm. get back, I want to take a break and check it out now. I think it's a perfect transition. We'll talk about this song and just all the success you've had with it, coupled with your album. And, um, you know, we'll get more into the music of this album that you're currently promoting. All right? Great. Yeah. Okay. No, it's great, Kashi. Thank you so much. You're doing an awesome job. So we're going to check out uh, This Is My Dream, and then we'll come back and get more into the album and some other stuff, okay? Brilliant. Okay, okay hold on. <laughs> All right, everyone. Again, you are listening to the United Kingdom singer-songwriter Kashi Keegan on The Carrie Edelman Show. We're going to check out his hit single right now, This Is My Dream, as I mentioned in the intro of the show. It's had some major success. We're going to talk about that in more detail when we get back. So uh, take a listen to This Is My Dream. You can download his album, Looking In, that's currently out on iTunes and all major digital sites, and he will also plug some more information about the album later. So here we go. This is my dream now on The Carrie Edelman Show. I had no choice. I won't give in. 
Welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, amazingly beautiful song written by Kashi Keegan. This is my dream. So again, please check it out. Download it on iTunes. Pick up a copy of his album, Looking In, which is out now. And before I bring it back on, I just want to do a couple of quick plugs for the show. Um, everyone needs to definitely check out, and we're going to talk a little bit about this when we come back, because I think it's a really important piece of the puzzle for um, Kashi Keegan and the support that he's received. Everyone needs to check out Talent Spotlight Magazine uh, by going to talentspotlightmagazine.net. It's a magazine written by Jessica Gilbert and just really amazing artists, articles, very thorough, comprehensive articles that she writes, So and so much more on the site, too. She has articles written by other people, um, so definitely check it out by going to talentspotlightmagazine.net. Also, be sure to check out Davin's Den. It's a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. So if you're looking for a show that can make you think and laugh at the same time, then Davin's Den is the show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. To watch live episodes, hear or watch old episodes, or to find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page on davincomedy.com. So let's bring uh, Kashi back on and continue with the interview. Hey, Kashi, amazing, amazing song. Love it. Can't get enough of it. Thank you very much. And can I just say that Beautiful. I also re- recommend everybody going to um, Talent Spotlight magazine. Um, it's a really great online magazine for upcoming talent. Yeah, and I think this is a perfect time just because I just plugged that to tell us a little bit the story behind how you met Jessica because I think that's relevant to some of the stuff that's happened when you met her on MySpace. And it's so funny thinking back to MySpace since it's you know, not as popular as it used to be. So tell us a little bit about that so we can plug her and the magazine and how you guys um, became, you know, close friends and and supporters of each other. 
Yeah, I mean, I have a few really ardent supporters, loyal supporters who've been like supporting me for quite a number of years now. Um, and they've really stuck by me through good times and through bad times. And Jessica mm-hmm. is one of them. Uh, I met Jessica, I think, through MySpace back in 2006. Um, and she sent me some messages saying how she really enjoyed my music. And we kind of struck up a friendship online. And um, these days she's running her own magazine uh, and showcasing lots of up-and-coming artists and some established artists as well. And I think what she's doing, you know, is, is such, a, such a positive thing. I wish there were more people in the industry who are kind of selflessly helping to promote talent like she is. So I'm really, really grateful to people like Jessica. And in fact, anyone who's ever taken me the time, taken the time to send me a message on social media, uh, it's what's kept me going, you know, especially mm-hmm. in, the, in the hard times. When people write to you, and it's so genuine, and it's so heartfelt what they're saying, you know, it just, on your bad days, it really uplifts you and, and, and motivates you to keep on going. So I'm, I'm so very grateful to, you know, everyone who's in touch with me and, and sends me messages and comments, because we, it, as artists in, in this industry that is so challenging, you need all the positivity that you can get. And um, it's really the people supporting you that, you know, keep you going in that respect. Absolutely. I think, and I think that's a really relevant point to make, especially in these days and age where, you know, unfortunately social media has really taken over a lot of the things that years ago might have been managed by labels or managers in terms of a lot of people can independently, like yourself and myself at the radio show and things like that. And Jessica, you know, we can do a lot of this stuff on our own that, you know, 10, 12 years ago might not have been as possible. So, Tell us, do you think social media, as you said, I mean, has that been one of the, the cruxes of, you know, your success and you getting the recognition mm-hmm. and attention you're starting to get? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. None of it would have happened without social media. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 in light of the recent success that I've had in Hong Kong, as you mentioned, uh, my song, This Is My Dream, it went to number one there um, on October the 25th, so not very long ago at all. Um, but the way that happened, and I mean the story behind that, my song was actually found by a music supervisor who was working for Hong Kong Television. Okay. Uh, she found it on a website called ReverbNation.com. Um, and then I was contacted by Universal Music in Asia and notified that they wanted to sign a, a single song publishing contract so that Hong wow. Kong Television could use could use my song as a theme tune for one of their programs, which happened. Um, the thing is, and this is very important for me to say, Hong Kong Television um, never officially broadcast. They only broadcast through social media, through platforms like YouTube and sharing videos on, on Facebook. They applied for a license to broadcast from the Hong Kong government back in 2009. And the chairman of the company, Ricky Wong, is like is like a Hong Kong version of Richard Branson. He's an entrepreneur, and he invested mm-hmm. a lot of money into the company with with hopes of getting a, an official license to broadcast. Well, four years later, unfortunately, the um, Hong Kong government refused them a license and gave a, a broadcasting license to two other networks. The thing is, Hong Kong Television was the popular popular network with the people in Hong Kong all to do with the fact that they had built a following on social media and everything. Right. And this, and this sparked a series of protests um, because people weren't happy that they didn't get the license. Um, and the first protest was held a few weeks ago and attracted over 120,000 people. Wow. And they played my song. They played my song on the loudspeakers. Um, and that's how I first came to hear about its kind of growing popularity in, in Hong Kong because someone sent me a video on YouTube showing me all those people standing there listening to my song with waving their phones in the air. And then That's amazing. Yeah, and then a member of staff from Hong Kong Television sent me a message on Facebook saying, would you like to come and perform at one of our protests? And I said, Absolutely. 
So I literally hopped on a plane the next day and I flew out to Hong Kong. I got off the plane literally and I went to the stage which was outside the central government offices. Mm-hmm. And I performed the song and there was a crowd there of thousands. I can't tell you how many thousands there were, but there was there was hundreds and thousands of people. Like, and you can see the quick, footage Tashi, online. While you're talking about that, I did look at the video last night and it was amazing because that was just crazy so yes i can appreciate what was going on there because when you see the video and everyone needs to check it out you know go to youtube or you know your pages and you can plug it too but Mm -hmm. the video is just it's phenomenal so so go on so you you get off there's thousands of people there yeah yes and so i i performed the song that evening um it was october 25th in front of all those thousands of people um, and then literally that night, the song went to number one on iTunes. And as you said earlier at the start of the program, it outsold some international artists like Lady Gaga and Justin Bieber and Katy Perry. So that was completely surreal and completely unexpected for me. And I was so grateful to how people had embraced and supported and, and got behind the song. Um, but really, the song has kind of helped galvanize people there because a lot of people in Hong Kong are unhappy at the moment because they feel like they don't have freedom or freedom of choice. And Mm -hmm. with this incident regarding the broadcast license and the fact they didn't get granted a license, it only highlighted how, how limited they are in terms of their choice. And there's a whole movement it's 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 a, it's a much, you know there's a whole movement going on there for people wanting greater freedom, greater create creativity, and they're fighting for justice. Um, and so I went there to support them and to support mm-hmm. their dream. I guess to be heard by the government and, and to be able to, you know, have greater freedom of choice. Um, so I, you know, I, I still still to this day, I really really sincerely hope they are granted that license. I mean, if there's any justice in the world, they will get it. So many people have invested so much hard work, so much time, so much talent, so much creativity into that network. And it would be such, uh, you know, a devastating shame if they're not given the license. So at the moment, I'm really hoping that, you know, it, it can still happen. And I say never say never, because as for me, I've pretty much given up on music, to tell you the truth. But then mm-hmm. this happened. This happened. And it just it proved to me, never say never. Just when you think it's over, life can surprise you in the biggest way, as it did for me. It was a miracle what happened. I never wow. in a million years, I never in a million years saw that coming. Right. Um, it's so cool. And I think it, it's in, my story has been one of perseverance. You know, there I was giving it everything for 15 years, pursuing this one goal relentlessly, and nothing much happened. But, you know, I think if you keep on going with the law of averages, something has to give eventually. Mm-hmm. It's, the hard part is having the inner strength and the resilience to keep picking yourself back up again after knockback, after knockback, after rejection, after disappointment, right. after disappointment, and keep on going. But, you know... Something will give eventually. You just have to have that determination and that inner strength to, you know, keep on um, and and just never give up. And I'm so pleased that I didn't because it's been worthwhile in the end, you know. Definitely. And I think, like you said, I mean, you truly, and I mean, you're so authentic and genuine too, which makes, you know, you even more um, appealing as an artist. I mean, you know, unfortunately you see a lot of these people out there that are very narcissistic and self-centered and, you know, you with the amazing music skills you have, your songwriting, your voice, I mean, that just adds another piece to the puzzle to make you so appealing. And like you said, it's, it's about being persistent and being resilient and getting up each time you're knocked down. And I can totally empathize and relate to everything you've done because that's been my life on, you know, many different levels. Um, and like you said, if, if you keep at it, eventually something here and there is, is going to give. So it's such a great story. It really is. And you deserve everything that you have coming to you. Um, Thank you so very much. So let's do this because I know, I know Believe in You is a little bit of a longer track and I wanted to play that for you. And I think that would be a good one to play now because 
it really talks about what you're talking about, you know, believing in yourself and being motivated and mm-hmm. resilient and persevering. So tell us a little bit about that track, and then we'll check that out, and then we'll mm-hmm. come back and talk more about the album, any upcoming shows you have, and things like that. Mm. Absolutely. Well, Believe in You is a song that I wrote. I mean, we live in in times where there's there's always someone telling us that, you know, who we are and what we have is not good enough. You know, it's mm-hmm. everywhere in in advertising, in the media, everything is trying to make us feel inadequate and insecure so that we go out and buy products to fix ourselves, you know, that type of thing. But it all kind of operates on making people feel bad about themselves. And I wanted to write a song that is about, you know, validating yourself, um, you know, not looking to other people for approval um, or, or, or acceptance. It's uh, looking within yourself um, and, and, you know, recognizing that you, that you are good enough and, and, and believing, believing that and having the inner strength to determine your own self-worth. That's what the song is about. Um, and I, I grappled with that so much growing up, with self-esteem, with everything, mm-hmm. and looking outside for it, you know, and it not happening. And, and so, you know, I made that journey within um, to, you know, to try and, and, and do it myself. I mean, it's still a journey that I'm on. I'm not saying that... It, I think with self-esteem, some days you have it and some days you don't. It's not consistent. Sure. Um, and that's how I... But this is a song to kind of help motivate and, and inspire people, um, you know, to believe in themselves and, and, to, and to see the good because we live in a world that's always trying to pick at our faults and our insecurities and, and make us look at ourselves in a negative light and... I wanted to put something out there that's positive, you know, um, and that's really what this song is about. Beautiful. It's, a, it's an amazing song. So let's, uh, let's check that out, and then we'll come back and talk about some other stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, hold on. All right, again, everyone, you are listening to Kashi Keegan on The Carrie Edelman Show, and here is another single of his, Believe in You, as he says. His music is really about communicating positive messages and helping people, um, you know, support themselves, believe in themselves, improve their self-esteem, and knowing that with hard work and effort, things are possible. So check it out, and we'll be back. Hiding inside your shell Just trying to convince yourself That it's good enough to be who you really are You feel like there's no one the same You keep your soul locked away And sometimes you feel like you don't belong anywhere But sometimes you only need to look within And just believe in you Listen to that cry There's a person deep inside Telling you that you don't ever have to hide So don't you be Yeah. 
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Ellis Edelman Show again. Believe in you by Kashi Keegan. Please download his music, support him. He's an amazing artist. He's worked so hard to get to where he is, and his journey is just, I'm sure, going to continue to just be nothing but positive things in his future with his music. So let's bring him back on so we can do a little bit more of an interview, and then we'll uh, wrap things up. All right, Kashi, amazing song. It's just so beautiful. It makes me, it just gives such a calming feeling when you hear that song. It's just amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's another one of those songs that I'm, you know, really, really attached to. And they're all, I mean, all of my songs are just like an extension of my soul. Um, but I think that one in particular has a very kind of personal lyric. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, and at times I kind of listen to it myself to it myself to kind of help motivate and kind of empower empower myself to, you know, keep on going. Definitely. Where do you think, and I, I think this is such an interesting question because there's not many people out there. I mean, there is and there isn't. Where do you think your resiliency comes from? Where do you think that perseverance comes from? Like you said, when people, whether it's through, you know, reading stuff online or people in your life, you know, don't support you or believe in you, where, where does, how do you get that inner strength? Like, I think it's such an interesting... I wish, I'd love to research it as a psychologist because mm-hmm, it's such an mm-hmm. interesting quality. Personally, where well, do you think it comes from? Well, I found that everyone I know, a lot of performers are very driven, and often when you hear about them talking about their, their childhood and growing up, they often say that they were outsiders, mm-hmm. that they were loners. And that drive comes from, I guess, when you don't fit in with the kind of traditional crowd if, if there's something different about you that kind of uh, excludes you or you get ostracized because of it then I think you have to find other ways to kind of survive really and not be invisible and it, and, it, and I think it creates this drive you know this this added drive and, and it's interesting to find that you know most of the people who become successful later on in life, have often had quite, you know, lonely childhoods or they've been outsiders, you know, they definitely Mm -hmm. weren't fitting in with the crowd. And I think it gives you that extra kind of impetus to have to kind of maybe prove yourself because you're not getting acceptance. You're not getting acceptance and a sense of belonging with your peers or with your friends. And so you have to find some other means to get it. I mean, it's quite cruel in a way, but it, it does kind of inspire this drive, I think, which can mm-hmm. be used to real positive effect. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because we could do a whole interview for an hour on this type yeah. of topic, but I think it's interesting because, I mean, I've known people in my life, though, that the opposite happens, you know, just by being, you know, I don't want to use negative terms, but you know, by being beaten down so much and just so many things not happening that you want to happen. And, you know, people sometimes develop a very pessimistic outlook on life. Um, They just see the world as, you know, not a good place and and people are out to do you wrong. And those people just, they don't have that resilience. And I think it's so interesting to just find out what is it about, like, someone like you or me or Jessica or whoever it is that pushes through versus someone who just kind of gives up and, and says, you know what, maybe people are right. It's not going to happen, so I'm not going to try anymore. So, I don't know, just uh, food for thought. It's just really interesting, I think. Uh, I, I think the golden rule is keeping an open mind. I think the Absolutely. greatest gift to yourself in life yes. is keeping that open mind, you know, and, and not allowing yourself. With age, we all, we're all going to become a little more disillusioned, jaded, cynical, right. But I think the difference comes in whether you choose to keep an open mind or not, and I've always strived to keep that. And I I'm, agree with you. Know, you. I'm, I'm pleased that I did because, and continue to do so because life can surprise you if you allow it. You know, right. it really can. And I think, you know, that's actually, and again, it's, it's a long week for me, you know, working, like I said, the job I work, but um, I think that's a perfect example of what we call in psychology, it, it's cognitive psychology it's reframing it's being able to look at situations like you said and maybe if someone says no to you what can you positively take away from that situation how can you look at it differently and maybe like you're saying you'd be open-minded and you do things differently the next time around or 
Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're saying, and I think that's so that's so key to right being able yeah. to push forward. And, and can I just add to can I just add to yeah. that? I think you know often in the past when people when I used to get rejections, and I've had tons of rejections over my mm-hmm. life in every kind of thing that I pursued. I mean, I used to let it get to me a lot, and I used to let it kind of crush my spirits, whatever. But now my attitude is, if people don't share my vision or they don't have enthusiasm for what I'm doing or don't want to work with me or whatever, I'm right next. I don't dwell on it, whereas I used to dwell on it. I think you have to let go of things in order to make a space for something else to come in, in life. Absolutely. Whether that's in your personal relationships. You know, even in our personal relationships, if we fall out of love with somebody, but then we hold on to it, you know, which is tempting to do, but it's not until we kind of let go and make a space for something else to come in uh, that 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 can actually happen. And it's true of every aspect Mm -hmm. of life, you know. You have to, there comes a point when you have to let go and make room for something else to to come in. Otherwise, you're blocking it by holding on or dwelling on on the past too much, you know. So my attitude is if I get a rejection, I'm like, right, next. I'm just always looking for the open door rather than dwelling on the door that shuts in my face. Definitely. Yep, I I agree with you. It's it's kind of looking at the glass always as half full versus half empty and what's going to be next versus exactly kind of ruminating about the past. And Absolutely. So let's do this. Mm -hmm. Tell me, just give us a... Some brief information about um, your album, Looking In, where people can find it. Do you have any upcoming shows or anything else in the works that you're going to be, you know, doing with this album and and any performances? Yeah, I think, well, obviously my music has just kind of started to to get some exposure, which is really Mm -hmm. encouraging. I have many songs, so I'm hoping that I can do some more performances and some more shows, and I'm actually working on that now. There's talk of me coming back to Hong Kong in January. I might be supporting uh, quite a big artist, but I don't want to <laughs> reveal sure. too much in case it doesn't <laughs> happen. Um, okay. So I, I'm kind of, I hope that comes to fruition. I really do. And I'm, I'm also hoping to come back to Hong Kong to do my own concert. I mean, I, I really want to do that. Words can't express how much I want to come back to Hong Kong and do a full-length concert because I've got more songs than just This Is My Dream, which is the, the popular one um, at right. the moment. So I, I would love an opportunity to share more of my music with, with people in Hong Kong. And then I guess the sky's the limit. I would love to take it everywhere. I believe that the songs that I'm writing have, you know, uh, got positive messages and a lot of people could benefit from, from hearing them at the moment. You know, there's a lot of people struggling out there, a lot of people who need some hope, some comfort, some inspiration, which is always what I've tried to give through my songwriting because that's what music's given me you know through the years especially in my darkest hour it was always music that provided comfort that provided healing that provided inspiration and empathy you know when no one else could relate to what I was feeling I could Mm -hmm. always find a song I could always find a song and a song lyric that kind of resonated with how I was feeling inside and I guess in my own small way I wanted to be able to give back what music's given me through my own songs and so that is it's my core motivation. I'm not financially motivated. It's always been about wanting to try and give some form of hope, comfort, healing, positive inspiration through music. Um, so that's what I really want to continue to do. People can um, download my albums. I have two albums. The current one is looking in. Uh, that's available on iTunes and all the major digital download stores like Amazon and Rhapsody and, and, and all the rest of them. Um, you can find me on YouTube where I have uh, videos and my Facebook page is Kashi Keegan. Um, and I love to hear from people, as I said earlier. I mean, that keeps me motivated and keeps me going. So, And I try to reply to every single message that I get. So, um, yeah, I hope people will look me up and connect with me. Um, and I That's look forward awesome. to hopefully hearing from a lot of people, yeah. Definitely. Do you, real quick, do you, um, are you independently doing this all by yourself? Are you managing yourself right now, or do you have anyone else helping you out? <laughs> I wish. No, I'm doing it all by wow. myself. The publicity, Amazing. 
the recording. Uh, you know, I flew myself out to Hong Kong as well. I, you know, I'm very much a self-contained artist at mm-hmm. the moment, which is, which in some respects is good. Uh, other times, it would be nice to have some help. Um, I'm also sure. a full-time journalist, so <laughs> it's oh, hard are. to balance it all. Yeah, I work for a a publishing company here for, for different magazines, and I ah. interview different different celebrities. Um, I recently interviewed Celine Dion just last week, so it's doing wow. interviewing other kind of music artists, which is okay. Which is great. That's cool. That's yeah. I didn't know that you were still doing the journalism stuff. I thought it was just you know a hundred and. 50% full forward with the uh, music, but that's awesome. Very good. Well, you yeah. know what? Maybe through interviewing some of these people and your music is, you know, right now really getting out there, hopefully that will, as you say, lead to uh, other doors to open and maybe a little bit of help one day. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, that you would know? be great. Yeah. So, well, my, my ultimate passion, a... obviously, is the music, is, is the songwriting. Right. Absolutely. Mm. Well, I know that you're, you know, very far away, and I, I thank you so much for coming on, Kashi. You're always welcome back on my show. So, you know, in the future, if you put out some new music, um, you know, please keep in touch with me, and uh, I look forward to seeing everything that's going to transpire with you, and I wish you much continued success in your career. Thank you so much. It's been a real honor. I've really enjoyed this interview. So thank yeah, it you. it was great. Yeah, and please, as I mentioned, please promote the podcast. And anyone who's listening in right now, you know, please support Kashi. If you tuned in late to the interview, you can download it for free. You can stream it. It'll be available um, at the close of our interview. So thanks again, Kashi, so much for coming on. Thank you. Okay, have a great day. You too. Take care. Okay, take care, Kashi. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone, again, UK singer-songwriter Kashi Keegan on the Carrie Edelman Show. Really cool interview. I think he took us down some really interesting roads and helped us learn about his journey as well as, you know, who he is as a person. And just, you know, really genuine, authentic person that has some amazing music out there and, as he said, messages to communicate through it. So support him. Pick up his album, Looking In. Uh, download some of his singles. And uh, we look forward to seeing what else is going to come with him in the future. Please become a fan of The Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. Um, find it on Facebook under The Carrie Edelman Show. I have all of my updates for upcoming interviews, events, and more. Also, if you follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman, I will follow you too. And you can befriend me on Facebook. I have uh, two personal pages. One of them had maxed out, but then there was some funky technical stuff going on, so I think I have some more spaces opened up on that page. But just like Kashi said, I love to keep in touch with people. I get back to everyone. And, uh, again, my show is all about supporting people. I love to collaborate with people. So if anyone out there is a musician or, you know, wants to do some consulting work in terms of psychology stuff in the entertainment industry, um, I'm into everything. So, you know, please contact me. All right. So thank you everyone again for joining us on a Saturday. It was a really cool interview and uh, we will be back in the near future. You can just like I said, follow me on the Carrie Edelman show on Facebook and you'll see upcoming interviews and events that I have. So thank you so much again for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back probably within the next week or two with some new upcoming interviews. I'm just in the process of uh, finishing out booking for the rest of 2013. Thanks again, and have a great day. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.